1: And welcome back to the
2: greatest running podcast in the world. Peak too early. I am one of your hosts,
0: Steve Jenner. I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is summer off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm I'm great. And I honestly think I have pessimistic Trent to thank for that. Because ever since Trent started talking about how bad the Red Sox suck, they literally have not lost a game. And it's a it's a week straight since Trent said that the Red Sox suck and they just can't lose. So. Thanks.
2: The Red Sox it. are good. The Red Sox are good and it's awesome. And as always at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud?
3: Boys, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I'm glad that I reverse jinxed the Red Sox, but I'm a little pissed off because the other day I get an email from Strava saying that my segment that I was the champion of is no longer mine. Somebody beat my time. Thing is, boys, it never told me I, I was the champion of the segment, like I never knew I had this like gold medal. It came during the peak to early team race challenge. I grabbed like a random segment in Medford when I was doing I think it was the five mile six mile I don't even remember at this point, but I had no idea, and then you just tell me when you take it away, like if I had known about it i'd be bragging about it i'd be telling everybody be telling you know my, my aunt and uncle that I got a segment champion on, on strava, uh, but I never knew it 's ridiculous
0: yeah you never you never get to celebrate it's now it's just like. Never happened. It's gone. What are you going to do? Brag about it now? It's like, okay, you have the second best segment. Congratulations, buddy.
3: No, I'm going to complain about never finding out about it. (laughs) and Nobody freaking told me.
2: So speaking of the mileage showdown, we have more information to come on that soon. We're actually just as we speak, before we start recording, we start hammering out the details. It's going to be in May. It's going to be awesome. Stay tuned. And like I said in previous podcasts, we're going to be encouraging everybody to do it along with us. So we're gonna work out a prize system. We're gonna it, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So so stay tuned for that and get in shape because this is gonna be no joke. It, you know, we can't just go into this half ass out of shape. So start training in May. We got the P2E Mild showdown coming up. But guys, I want to start off the show by talking about the Masters. And I just wanna say this The Masters is awesome. It is one of the most well done sporting events. Of the year, every single year. And I am a very casual golf fan, right? And I could put on, you know, a, a, a PGA tournament or, or you know, some on TV and I could get bored of it very quickly. I can appreciate it. I can appreciate the golfers. I can appreciate the course. I can get bored of it. From the time they tee off on Thursday all the way through Sunday, every single April, I am hooked on this tournament and they do it so well. And I think there's a lot to learn from what the masters do and our sports should be taking some of this because, you know, in in the way I feel about this tournament, people feel about it across the country.
0: So that, that was exactly my take, Steve. I think not just track and field, but all sports could learn something about how the masters do this. So the masters app is the greatest thing ever invented. You have nonstop wall-to-wall coverage of the entire event. You have like six different options. You can watch the featured groups. You can watch the broadcast. You can watch like holes four, five, and six. You can watch Amen Corner. You can watch like holes, uh, I think it's like 16, 17, whatever. There's, you can watch pretty much every single hole. So if you have one golfer you want to follow the whole way, you can do that, which is unbelievable. There's no paywall. There's none of that crap. It's all free. And I'm, I'm on it the for four days straight i'm out doing yard work i got my phone propped up like on on my windowsill like it's it's if track and field did that and you had that much accessibility to the sport
3: it would change everything you you can literally watch every stroke you can watch every time a guy puts puts club to ball like you just go to the golfer on the masters.com or the masters app wherever and you click the hole and then you can watch every shot there it's up within like a minute of when they're on there but not only do they make it so accessible where it's just like all you can't you can't help but just get totally sucked into it they do save like the best coverage right like the prime time the best announcers the full like picture where you're watching the leaders go through for the television right so you have to be kind of like uh you know you do your app thing on the side during commercials or when you're watching and you need to like catch up with your favorite golfer who you bet on but you're still also like sucked in like have to be in front of a tv on sunday like to watch CBS it's they do it incredibly so let me let me picture this for you
0: like imagine you're watching a big track meet right and you're on like the main broadcast watching the track watching the distance events on the thing but then you get a little notification that your guy Mark Eastendy is about to go jump boom I can switch screens and go over to the long jump pit oh now Krauser's about to throw he's going after the world record boom I'll go over to the shot put like that's how. That's how you should be able to watch this sport. It would be unbelievable. Absolutely, Absolutely. It, it wouldn't be that hard. It's way harder in golf to get every single shot on camera, like they do. Like you would really just need like four or five cameras at the track to to be able to to pull that off. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be that difficult.
2: And, and Mike, I think that there's two things that the Masters do exceptionally well that sports can learn from. The first is. They create this mystique around it, right? There's a mystique around Augusta, there's a mystique around, um, you know, the the tournament and the champions, and they they do it they do it in a couple different ways. It's super exclusive, right? You know, the the club, super exclusive, super difficult to get in. They celebrate all of the past winners they don't show everything on tv like we will never have a camera in at the champions dinner the night before so they do they they walk this nice tightrope of like we're going to show you all the coverage but then there's like this mystique that you can't see and i think that that's an important lesson for sports to take is like no you don't need to sh- shove a camera in every little piece of it you know leave some up to the imagination the other thing is the the wall-to-wall coverage on the actual sport which you already talked about and what that does from Thursday's Thursday to Sunday it it makes you feel like you went on a journey with these with these athletes these golfers this entire time like when when you know Morikawa uh, I'm I'm sorry <laughs> Matsuyama uh he he you know he won the tournament and then his uh his, his, his caddy, like, took off his hat and he bowed at the, you know, bowed at the, uh, the course. I felt, like, I felt like I had just been on this, this journey with Natsuyama and his caddy for four straight days. And you know what? Our sport has four days event day events. Why can't we take some of this and make the, the, the you know, the fans of the sport feel like they went on this journey? And I was thinking like, you know, like, what are some of the different ways you could do that? And it's kind of hard if you, you know, if at individual events, you see somebody come on the track and then you go off and you won't see them again, but it just keeps going back to the, uh, you know, the, the multi-sport athletes, the heptathlon, the decathlon, like we should be able to do this with that part of our sport. Like how fun would it be to have that kind of journey, that kind of coverage with these athletes?
0: For sure. And You know what makes this event even more fun and exciting, Steve? Is when you have Matsuyama 40-1 to odds, and you nail it. You absolutely nail it like I did this weekend. Listen, lost a lot of bets on the Masters. Every major, every year, I bet on four people, call my core four. We hit Tiger, we hit Spieth, we hit Finau, and we hit Matsuyama. Lost a lot of those bets, but... Gentlemen, this week forty to one Matsuyama. He did it for Japan. More importantly, he did it for me. He took home the dub. You're telling I him? had all week. I had Spieth and I
2: had Justin Rose. And for the majority of the tournament, it looked like I was going to be in the mix for the win uh, from either one of those guys. But friggin Matsuyama ran away with it at the
3: end. So you you've been betting on Matsuyama to win every yes, major golf for like championship years. for yeah. years now. I can like attest to that. <laughs> It's incredible.
0: Yep,
2: and you will never win with Finau. I promise you that. But yeah,
0: well, he's he's next. He's next in line. You know, Tiger's obviously gotten me a win. Jordan's got me a win. Now it's Tadeki. So the last member of the core four is Finau, and I will bet him till till the day it happens. Till the day. At one point, because obviously Tiger wasn't in there, so I only had three guys. All three of them, like in. On the third day, we're in the top like seven I was feeling pretty I was feeling pretty good about myself, obviously you know I didn't said it on the last podcast Jordan's my guy, and I'm always pulling for Jordan, but it, it felt good to to get that that first one out of out of Fidecki. but wow, that was a lot of masters talk that felt, that yeah felt good Tra-
2: w- the the moral of the story is track and field take notes, learn from this awesome tournament well I was able to bet I was able to bet on this stuff yeah that's fun. that's also a big part of that figure figure it out so. All right, Mike. Let's kick off the running news.
0: All right. So, it, it honestly, it kind of feels like we're going back to the well here. We get some like old OG peak too early type topics. Um, you know, two of our favorite things in the world to talk about are uh, making fun of ultramarathoners and talking about how awesome Des Linden is. So this topic works out pretty well in our favor. Our girl Desi decided to bump up a little bit today, actually, go after the 50K world record, and she smashed it in a time of 2.59. I got some takes on this, but I want to hear what you guys have to say
3: first. As the resident ultra-marathon defender, (laughs) whenever it comes up, I'm always the one that's saying, guys, it's kind of cool. It's not that weird. Uh, I get to be just totally excited about it. Like, Des you know she could have just rode off into the sunset after the trials had a great you know came in fourth just missed it but like she at the end tail end of her career there uh but here she is just going out and knocking out like new world records i love it i love that she's getting creative i love that she's out there uh and she's in shape i mean that was fast that was a fast time so i'm interested to hear your guys's take on this though as oh, the anti-ultra takes. guys
2: i got some takes i i i've been thinking a lot about this and uh I have a feeling my stakes are going to be similar. I, I, I'm predicting where this is going. Um, I got to be careful of what I say here. And I want to start this off by saying um, I'm a huge fan of Des Linden. I'm a huge fan of her manager, former professional runner, Josh Cox. In fact, to the point where it's like if we were to make our wish list of guests that I wanted on this podcast, Des Linden, Josh Cox, 1A, 1B, Huge fans want them on the podcast. But when I saw that Dez was going after this 50K, I felt the same exact way when over a decade ago, I saw Josh Cox going after the 50K world record. And my thought was, who the fuck cares and who the fuck runs a 50k it's nobody you know why it's so easy to get this record because nobody friggin' runs it so yeah okay i get it it's cool des i'm glad that you can put this on your resume but it doesn't even come close to any of your other running accomplishments i do not care i do not care about this distance i do not care about this record
0: yeah so i mean my take is similar, maybe not as impassioned, but I guess my two main takeaways is one: what does this say about Des Linden's career? She is this kind of the tail end for her, and is she kind of sunsetting it right now? I don't know, just kind of a, of a thought there. But two, I don't hate that she's doing it because my number one like argument against ultra running has always been like I think it's impressive as hell. It's it's super cool, but what we love about running is like the competition aspect of it, right? And the highest competition in all of distance running is the marathon. So when we like praise these ultra runners and stuff like that, it's like, in my gut, I always feel like, listen, if the marathoners, you know, the best distance runners in the world wanted to come and take down your sport and take all the world records, they could, right? It's, these are... They're the, it's just not the the best distance runners in the world who are doing ultra runners. And I think the general public, the general public sometimes feels like, oh, you run a hundred miles. You must be like the best runner in the world. No, I mean, you're just the crazy person who's willing to do it, I guess. But when Des Linden goes out there and just like, and so the 50K, I mean, I guess we're not really getting into like the the real ultra marathon stuff yet, but still, when she can just go in there and easily take down the world record, crush it, it kind of gives me a little bit of good feeling and like kind of reminds a distance world who where where the real long distance runners lie and that's in the marathon and it's in the events that you compete at the olympics listen if the 50k becomes you know or these 100 mile races become olympic events yeah i mean we're we'll start seeing some real fast competition but until that day happens you yeah, know let, let the big dogs play that's my only take
2: Mike, you want me to bring this uh, this podcast full circle, right Let's now? Do it.
0: Let's do that it. That
2: would be like that would be like you know um, you know Brooks Kepka or Bryson DeChambeau going to like the long drive championship and training for a little bit and just going in there and dominating everybody in right. the long yes. drive championship. So I, I get, I actually like that take. It's that you know it's 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 like a real professional athlete stepping up and being like oh yeah I can do your sport and it's easy for me you see this this is easy for me so all right I can get behind that and I and I I do before we get off this topic I just want to comment on the transformation that Josh Cox has gone through in the past decade and so Josh Cox Desi's Desi's, uh, you know, manager and, and, and like I mentioned, he was, he, you know, I I think it was like 2010 or maybe even a little before that when his career was winding down, he went and got the 50 K champ, uh, men's, uh, record. And I'm sure he, he encouraged Desi to, to do the same. He went from like the most ripped runner, ripped athlete, a guy that you know, it was on The Bachelor, just just like you know the like. You, you just look at him; he, had, he ripped abs. He looked like the perfect runner. To now, he's this guy that's a little overweight. He's got a big mustache. He's always wearing a San, Diego's Pod, San Diego Padres jersey, flat brim hat. He is living the life that every former professional athlete should be living, and I love it. I was going to say, I didn't know if you were like giving him a hard time. I was like, that sounds like a dream. Like that's that's
0: the life right there. This,
2: that, that is like the stereotypical, like peak too early. Like he's the poster child of peak too early.
0: Yes, absolutely.
2: No, I, I wasn't, I wasn't throwing any shade whatsoever. It's just that I, that you are doing it right, Josh.
0: Hell yeah. All right. Let's move on to a topic, man. Trent, if, uh, If Desi doing the 50K got Steve worked up, I can only imagine the takes we're going to get from this one. So we've had some thoughts about Jakob and in the past, thinking maybe, uh, you know, he had the the, uh, young superstar syndrome and was going to go down a bad path. And I think we were wrong, gentlemen, because the 20-year-old megastar in the sport, just proposed to his girlfriend at the age of 20 years old he's set to get married here what do we got
2: jesus if, if i was worried to make comments about desi and josh yeah. talk, these comments <laughs> i'm about to make are about to get me in a lot of trouble so i gotta be real careful now about what i'm about to say Trey, why, why don't you go first
3: All right, I have like my inappropriate comments, and then I have ones that are better for the show. We'll start with those, and then we'll see what happens here. But my first reaction was, this is like a reality TV, you know, plot. Like this is they're coming in, and some people are egging them on. Like you should propose. That'll that'll jump the ratings. That'll get people excited. So that was my thought there. I read a a headline that said Inge Britson and longtime girlfriend. And I was like, longtime girlfriend? They're like in (laughs) high school still. But then I decided we don't talk about high schoolers. So I'm not going to talk about that. But I just think it's a reality TV play. It's going to get the views. It's going to get the eyes. I watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians. They get married like six, seven times. So he's just getting his first one done early. I don't know what to say. Steve is absolutely speechless right now. No, you, you know
2: what? As a as a you know a, a world famous athlete that is dominating the sport, traveling the world at twenty years old, getting married to your high school sweetheart is just a fantastic idea. So,
0: good on you, Jakob. That's all I'm gonna not. Say. Listen, I'm not saying don't stay with your high school sweetheart. I didn't That's say that I'm either. Saying. I'm just saying I know. Don't- I know, but. <laughs>
1: Don't I mean, get married at twenty. You probably shouldn't no, get married at
0: twenty. There's there's just no no reason to get married at twenty when you're a mega super. St- I, I, listen, there's no
2: reason to get married um, at twenty.
0: Period. Yeah. I, I'm I'm a happily married man, and I wouldn't ne- never change it for the world. But yeah, I mean, you met I mean, this girl. When, you met this girl when you were fifteen, buddy. I mean. This you, is you don't you don't think you want to give it a couple more years to maybe make sure you're you know you're not doing something a little irrational here. This I, I is, don't know.
3: This is gonna be the best thing you could do for his running career, though, right? No, like, yeah, I mean that's oh, the worst. No, it's the worst. That's the worst. The second I got ever.
0: married, it was over, Trent.
3: Okay, <laughs>
0: women <laughs> no, we can like the it brothers <laughs> here. No, it. it's over.
3: It's over. Once you put that ring on your finger, He's your done. running career He's is done. over. Somebody like Yakim. Who has had just like the cameras on him, the spotlight on him since he was just like in his mid-teens? Who could just like you said, Mike? He's a megastar. He is an absolute. He's like the absolute superstar of the sport. But he's the absolute superstar in Europe. Like everybody knows him. He easily could become like that that next child actor that just goes off the rails, like partying like crazy, and he never, you know, gets that full potential. If he has the wife at home, I would expect him to be a little bit more subdued, expecting to keep his mind on the prize, to stay focused with the training and not get distracted by the nightlife and the things that can happen when you're just like a, you know, an absolute once-in-a-generation superstar. So I do think this is good for his running career.
2: I, I think you bring up an interesting point here, Trent, where it's like the most disappointing part of this is the wasted potential as a fan. Cause we have this guy who's the the fourth or the third in the line of uh, of brothers that have gone on to to do the sport. And he's coming up as the best one of all of them. In fact, he's coming up as one of the best runners in the world. And he's 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 on his way to make his mark permanently on this on this sport. And you know, he's a he's a reality TV star in his in his home country. He's very well known the antics and excitement and craziness that we could have and we should have had from an athlete from a personality like this in the sport we're just it's just being proven every single day that it's just not going to happen and this guy is about as boring as they come he's the guy that gets married at 22 the girl he met at 15 and it's just disappointing
0: that family man they they got him under close watch they're just yeah, it's like a laboratory. The Inge Britson family—it's built in a lab.
3: They planted that girlfriend when he was fifteen. Yeah. 100
0: percent, hundred percent. All right, let's move on. <laughs> I'm excited for the tattoo. In so much trouble. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. It is what it is. We had to talk about it. Um. So this. Listen. I've said it before, I'm one of the least online guys you're ever going to meet. This is a viral video that went viral like three weeks ago. Somehow I missed it. Just came across it when I was doing some prep for the show. This week, we'll, we'll post the video, I'm sure, on our Instagram so that people can see. But you got this sprinter who's just balling out of control, dominates the field by about three steps. As he's going to that mat that everyone like jumps into, like crazy people at the end of sprints, right as he's going to jump into it he trips he falls and he slides through the banister off of the track onto the ground wild video when you see like a track video pop up like that you know something crazy is going to happen and i still was not expecting that to be the result i could not believe that that is what what happened and then the poor kid is like clearly embarrassed. Everyone's like peeking around like the pads to make sure he's, he's okay. And he just come back. Like, I can't believe that that just happened. He was fine. So we can all get our good laughing, but just an awesome video. These are my favorite whenever once in a while, just a solid track, you know, blunder goes viral. We we need those in our lives. It's been a while since we've broken one of these down. This is like a classic internet 1.0 video.
2: If this video happened, know 15 20 years ago this would have been a viral sensation i mean it's just getting caught up and i mean it's it's something new every single day every single minute there's a new viral video but this is laugh out loud funny it i mean it's 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 amazing they finish they finish running they come across the finish line you're right he's getting ready to go do his stupid jump into the pad that everybody does and he just goes sliding underneath (laughs) underneath the pad off the track disappears into the stands and
3: everybody's
2: like, oh, my God, they're looking around. Where did he go? Where did he go? An amazing
0: video.
3: Yeah. He, uh, he seemed to speed up after he finished, like, the, the 60 meters there, whatever it is in indoor track. Like, he he flew up the upramp. Like, he was going fast. He was accelerating. He was so psyched to do just, like, a sweet jump into that big pad there and for him to just slide under it. Uh, I'm never going to be able to watch the sprinters end that race the same now. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to be just, like, expecting or ready for somebody to take a dive there. But my favorite part was the other runners that just kind of were like peeking around. Like, I wonder if this guy's okay. Like this guy just flew through like the railing, like off the side of the track. Like, I think I'd be freaking out. Like we might've just lost this guy. He might be gone forever. Nobody knows what's underneath those pads out there. So I was amazed by the like relaxed that the other competitors were after seeing this guy just like disappear through the, through the rail there.
0: My other two takeaways are like, I think it makes it way better that he won the race. I don't know. For whatever reason, it just seems that much more embarrassing he, the though? fact that he, Oh yeah. He won by like three steps, I think. And then, uh, what was my other take? He just distracted me. Um, man, it was a good one too. Hmm. I got a take. Yeah, you go. Cause I can't remember this take. It was, God oh, damn it. So to me, in terms of like the funny,
2: uh, like track meet videos there's there's a bunch of like steeplechase fails that are hilarious but to me there's there's like there's two that stand out it's this one and have you ever seen the video of the long jumper that just got his head down sprinting down the lane and he looks up at the last second and there's a girl crossing the lane and he just absolutely lays her out have you oh, seen yeah, this video?
0: Yeah. Yes, I have. I'll
2: send it to you guys. Yeah, was, I'll send it, it to you guys right now. To me, I think those, these are the two funniest uh, track and field like blunder videos. Which one do you think is funnier? Here, I'm sending it to the group right now.
3: Well, yeah, well if you can being get a non-pole non vault or non steeplechase chase, it's like you have no idea what's going to happen, but you're so excited for that blunder because it could be anything.
2: Like the steeplechase, the steeplechase like falls are funny, but it's like it's it's kind of one of those things where you almost expect it to happen, so it's not as like surprising as one of these videos.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh man, this girl just has no idea what's about it's, to hit her. It. It's absolutely truck-sticked. <laughs> I mean, that is that's like. A Brian lacquer in his prime, Why I receiver mean, coming across the middle. The complete lack of awareness for this girl is outstanding. Dred <laughs> <laughs> just got it. <laughs> it's outstanding.
2: So, all right, so I mean, this is gonna make a great. This is gonna. I'm gonna be able to cut this up. It's gonna be a, make a great video for our Instagram. So what we're gonna have people do is we're gonna post oh. it. And you're going to, we're going to have people vote, which is the better track and field video that,
3: that I, lady's is professional how
2: long ago was this video from
0: Steve? I mean, at least, at least like 12 years ago. See, I feel like this one, to your point, the old, the other video with the guy going underneath, I think would have done a lot better in the old internet. I think That's this saying, one, man. I know, I think this video of the girl getting truck sick would do better in this internet, because imagine all of the memes of this girl just, like, walking into situations oh. that she wasn't supposed to be in, <laughs> just, like, you know what I mean? There'd be a gazillion memes of this girl just being in all of the wrong places, just, you know, complete space cadet. So, I think that would have done really good in this. Well, this let's cadet. bring it back. I can't I, wait to should. bring it back. We should, yeah. We should, just, if- we should just start posting this, like, you know, randomly, so...
3: Every uh, every yellow jacket in the sport is excited about this video. It's like, this is why I'm so, like, crusty yeah. and yelling at everybody. This is what I'm trying to avoid. <laughs> that's a great point. All right, gentlemen,
0: that's all I got for the news. All right, so we're going to get into our
2: interview with Lou Serafini. So, for those of you across the country you might not know who Lou is, he's kind of a local legend here in New England. He's just one of the old school grinders just making a name for himself on the, you know, kind of the New England Grand Prix. He's a qualifier uh, for the for the Olympic Trials several times. Um, he works for Tracksmith, the apparel company Uh, located here in boston but he's just kind of like one of those old school new england grinders when it comes to the sport and you know we got this boston marathon time of the year so we wanted to get somebody from boston from new england or he's originally from new york but he lives in boston now to come on for an interview and we could talk a little boston marathon Uh, had a good time talking with him let's get into it Hey, Lou, how's it going, man? Hey,
1: guys, what's going on? What's up? Doing well. Thanks for uh, making some time tonight to chat with us. Yeah, thanks for being flexible. Uh, I'm psyched. No worries.
2: So um, one of the reasons I reached out to you and wanted to have you on this podcast, and one of the reasons I'm I'm a fan of yours as a runner is because I look at you as like a real throwback runner. You know, and everybody that's from New England, everybody that kind of runs in and around Boston, there's this kind of pride around like, Those runners in the 70s and 80s, those grinders that, you know, I mean, they didn't even start offering prize money in the Boston Marathon until the, until like the early 1980s. But there was this pride around just like this underground cult of runners that were just grinders that were, even though they may not have been professional athletes, they were training like professional athletes and they were putting up very impressive times.
1: Yeah, man, those guys give me hope. <laughs> um, my my coach is one of those guys. Um, Randy Thomas. He's like a, a lesser known name. Um, but he worked out with like Bill Rogers and, and Greg Meyer and Bob Hodge and all those guys. And like he still tell I mean his PRs are I think his PRs are all faster than mine, except for maybe the mile. And they were doing that in like the 70s and the 80s without super shoes and like. Without all, all the fancy stuff that we have today. And that like whole era is like super fascinating to me, like how they were able to kind of do what they do. I think he used to drive like from Worcester to Boston for practice twice a week, which is like not a short drive. It's like, I think it's at least an hour both ways. Um, I mean, they had a guy on their team that was like a mailman, like they were all working. Like it, it's, it's pretty wild to think of that era. And then like how fast they all ran. Like they all ran between 208 and like 212, 213. And then you look at today and like people are still trying to do that. Um, so yeah, like I said, they get they give me hope that like if they could do it back in the seventies, like and I'm training the same way that they train, maybe, maybe someday I'll figure it out too. So I, do you,
2: but Do you look at yourself at all like that? I mean, you, you're you know, you're getting on the on the starting line at the Olympic trials against, you know, the some of the best athletes in the in the country in the world who you know are getting paid to do this. Nice. Cheers. Yeah. We're getting paid to do this full time. Do you kind of look at yourself as kind of one of those throwbacks as one of those grinders in the sport?
1: I guess so. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I've always thought about myself as a hard worker, but like, I think like everyone in running, like if you've made it pretty far has to have been a pretty hard worker. Like you can only get so far on talent. Um, I guess. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of been like my edge the past couple of years, especially. I think when I, gra- I, I've been out of school for a while, like I graduated in 2013 and I like didn't really have aspirations to continue running, but like, I mean, I always thought it'd be cool to run pro or like you know get a shoe deal but like I I was never good enough or never like you know even close to being at that level um so I really just like I really dove into like the community side of running you know I started working at a shoe store started leading run clubs like started like immersing myself in the sport a little bit more and what I found was like as soon as I let go of that like competitive side a little bit and that like need to be the best and like need to like do everything perfectly, I started running faster. Um, like once I started focusing my energy in other places and like, let go of some of like the little things a little bit, my times just like started going way down. Um, and I think like having that like laid back attitude and like, um, more relaxed, like approach to the sport and having, I think the big thing that maybe I'm trying to get at is like, balance, having balance in your life, um, works really well for me. I don't think it necessarily works for everyone, but I do think it's like important as you know, high level runners that there's other things that are going on that you can lean on when running is not necessarily going the way that you want it to be going. So yeah, you may,
3: you may not be a mailman, but uh, that's like the story of the grinders that we're talking about where, you know, you've got this like whole other world going on that, that maybe is your primary focus for a while. Um, but at a certain point, and it sounds like just like a mentality shift. You kind of like figured out that you were good enough and that you could run pro and you're running the time. So was there like a like a moment or a race or a time that kind of transitioned you into to be like, I'm going to do more than just the community side of this. Like, I think I can go after some pretty special times.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Like, um, I, I think I'm at the point now where like, I, I feel like I can compete with quite a few guys, um, you know, at the highest level, there's obviously some people that are on a completely different level than me. Um, uh, but I don't, I feel like I don't need to like to be a professional runner. I just want to like keep doing what I'm doing and like keep going out there and like competing and like giving it my best. Um, if there was a moment, yeah, I don't know the, is probably around the time when um Randy started coaching me like I kind of made like I used to coach myself and I used to be like kind of crazy and I would like do 120 130 mile weeks cuz I just like I was just experimenting and like I was like oh maybe more is better um and it worked well for like the marathon I like somehow ran like a 217 off of like that high mileage but I had no leg speed like my my track times were still pretty slow comparatively to like what they are now but I kind of made a bet with myself, like, if I could run a decent marathon, then I would go get a coach. Um, and, like, pretty much from, like, the get-go when Randy started coaching me, like, we dropped the mileage way down and, like, started focusing way more on speed. And that indoor season, uh, I ran, like, a 13.53 a or 13.54 in the 5K, which was, like, a 40-second PR for me. And I think that was kind of the moment where, like, I realized that, you know, I could be more than just like someone who like aspires to run at the Olympic trials, like someone who can like go and compete at like U S road championships. And like, maybe someday figure out how to finish in the top five or top 10 in a marathon major. Like, those are obviously like big goals. Um, but, but RT was like the guy that like pushed me to think like that. Like his big thing is always like, keep raising the bar. Like every time I have a good race, he's like, all right, what's next? Like what's the next goal? Um, and I think like having that mindset, back in like, I guess that was 2017, 2018, something like that really kind of shifted my mentality towards like my approach for the sport. I think I had like really like, I don't know, back in like 2015 had just like decided like, I'm going to be a marathoner and like, we'll see how that goes. But like, I grew up a miler and like I broke it for, for the first time in my life in 2018, I never thought that would have happened. And it's only because I had someone who was like challenging me to think big and, and look at the big picture. So, what are your, what are your goals right now? Uh, I don't know, man. It's been a weird year. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't raced in like, uh, over a year. So, um, but no, I've got pretty concrete goals. I, um, I kind of made a bet with myself to like get back on the track after the Olympic marathon trials. I had a really good training cycle. I was really fit and was like, kind of gave myself like a B for that race. Um, but like really did believe that I was in really great shape going into it. And after I finished, I, I had like full, full eyes set on Olympic track trials in the 10 K. Um, so that's my goal. I want to qualify for that. Um, it's a a bit of a stretch goal. I think, um, I've run 1345 and I haven't done a 10 K since 2017. Um, I think it's my, I've run 2859. I think it's my softest PB. I think I can run, at least 28 20 28 30, but it takes 28 flat to qualify. So mm-hmm. that's the goal. We'll see, like, we'll see what happens. I shorted some dragonflies today, so <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to get some races on the calendar. So, like, it's I'm starting to feel excited. Like, I, I took a little bit of a break in February, and like the track workouts have been kind of clicking, and I haven't done track work in like a year. So uh, now that I actually have a couple of races in mind and some things that I want to do, I, I'm, I'm pretty jazzed to just like go compete. Like I'm one of those guys that like, I thrive on competition, not on like the day in day out, like training. I like, I like getting out there and like racing people. So, yeah, I
2: I think you, you mentioned, I was, I was in my preparation for this interview. I think I, I read something in one of your Instagram posts where it was like, you pride yourself as a, as a racer, not necessarily a trainer. And I mean, let me tell you what, that you're speaking our language right here, because I think, you know, we, there's usually three of us, but Trent and I, you know, we, We don't love the sport of of running, but we love racing. We love competing. Like, that's what we love about the sport.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you really want to, like, get into it, like, this has been a thing that's been kind of, like, bugging me the last couple, like, weeks, months. Um, Really, just, like, during the pandemic, I feel like we're kind of, like, losing that racing spirit a little bit with all the time trials and like the super shoes, like, I feel like these days people would, would much prefer to like finish 50th and run a fast time than finish first in like a high profile race and run slow. But, and like, I don't know, maybe it's like a little bit of a, like, I'll, I'll believe it when you actually do it or whatever, but th- that's always how I've been. Like I, I like just getting out there and competing and um, the idea of chasing a time for the Olympic trials, like, I've chased so many times in my life. And I I find that like, when you chase this very specific time, you often come up short of that. But when you really focus on racing and competing, and if you like really execute to the highest level, the time will come. So um, I'm trying to keep that like top of mind because track track is very like, you know, you I'm sure you have times in your mind that you want to hit. And it's really easy to just like, put the blinders on and say like, I want to run this. But I mean, I tell it to the people that I coach, like BU is a good example. Cause like, there's always like heat after heat, after heat, after heat. And it's like, if you win your heat, you're going to probably run a pretty good time because like the competition is good. So that's always been my, my approach sort of. So I'd love to see like us distance running kind of like continue to lean on that. Um, just keep competing. So. And anybody well, who says BU is a short track
2: can fuck right off.
3: <laughs> i hope so i hope it's not yeah is that a thing going around oh yeah, yeah it's a comment that,
1: like-
3: i live in oblivion world. like i just i know
1: you use a long track if you ask me that's where all my prs are for sure yeah man i don't think yeah i think it's just a really bouncy surface so we'll go with that oh, all yeah. my prs
2: are there so it's definitely not sure
1: <laughs> yeah right so I- i'm pumped
3: that you brought this up and now you say you don't know if you want to get into it but just talking about like that shift towards the the numbers and the times rather than just going out there racing because that's things that like steve and myself and and mike our other co will just you know scream about on the podcast but to hear it from like the runner perspective is is you know fun and it's refreshing and some people say it and i don't think they actually mean it right because then you go see them out there like hunting times so are you are you feeling like more of a shift going on recently because we've been yelling about for years but is it something that's been you know just like coming out more in the circles that you run with where you're seeing people more just worried about the times
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's good too. Cause like, I think it's pushing us to be faster as a country. Like, you know, I'm just thinking back to 2016 and the Olympic trials and like what made the team. And like, I think it's going to be way more competitive this time around, like not even close and same with the marathon too. Like, There's so many like men and women that can go out there and and run under that OTQ standard and whatever they lower it to, I'm confident that like people are going to go out there and chase it. So I think there's a lot of good that comes with it too. But, um, but I think because of those like hard standards that exist, I think that there's definitely a shift, um, a little bit here and there. So, um, I think it's just the, I think it's the world that we're in. Like people are choosing like CIM over Boston and like, just because they know that that's like a great opportunity to run fast. And like, I'm sure CIM is an incredible race. Um, but yeah, I, I think like for me Person and this, I think it is like kind of a personal thing. But I, I would rather go out and like try to perform on like a bigger stage and 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 compete than than just like finish middle of the pack. Um, but yeah, I mean the ultimate thing would be to just like go out on the biggest stage and compete and run fast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think like. Anyway, I think it's generally good. I should, I should preface, like, I'm not trying to say that like people go and chase times is like a bad thing. Cause like I've done it and I think it's great. Um, and I think it's like generally making the entire sport faster, which I think is like very important. Um, but yeah, I would love to just like see people take more shots and like maybe not necessarily pick the race with the fastest and flattest course and just pick the race with like good competition and not care about what they run for a time.
3: Yeah. I mean, we needed a little bit of it during the pandemic where there was everything kind of canceled. So it was nice. There to was no, about. yeah, no alternatives either. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: So tell
2: us a little bit about the, uh, the trials in Atlanta. I can't believe it's over a year ago now that is really blowing my mind right now, but we were down there. And from a fan's perspective, it was awesome. It was like, we, I mean, it was, it was the best day we've had in, in over two years now. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. It was so much fun. The loops, the, it was, it was so well done. It was set up
1: perfectly for a friend's perspective.
2: Talk to us about uh, on the athlete's perspective. What was it like for you out
1: there? Yeah, it was cool. I, I was in LA too. And so I got to see kind of like both sides of it. Um, you know, LA, like I snuck under the qual I was a half marathon qualifier for LA. Uh, I was B standard qualifier for Atlanta too, but, um, in LA, you, you paid your own way. Um, if you were B standard, you had to get your own hotel. Um, LA is obviously like a really congested city. So it was tough getting around. Um, it was a tough course in, in LA too. Like they started it late in the day because of like, um, television coverage and it had to be like during prime time or whatever, but that just meant it was hot. And then the thing that really got me the most was like, once the race was over, I feel like everything just kind of like disappeared, you know, like people kind of went off and did their own thing. I think Atlanta did like an incredible job of just like bringing everyone together, bringing that whole city together. Like the crowd support in that race felt like a major marathon, um, you know, they, they helped with travel support, lodging, everything was in one spot. So you just like really felt like you were part of this like whole experience the entire time. And so many people qualified too, like way more people than in LA. Um, so like the fact that they were able to like house that many people, I I just thought they did like a really, really incredible job. And it was really cool to see all the fans that came out. So, um, so yeah, I have like so much respect for for that city and for Atlanta Track Club and like everything that they did that weekend because it was like it was just like a really incredible experience. The the course too, like uh, like I'll say like was so hard, obviously. Um but I loved like the fact that it was a tough course. Like I think that whoever designed that last little loop was, is like psychotic. Like it was like into a wind tunnel and like up a hill and then like over a bridge. And like, it it was like, I felt like I was walking. Um, and like, you're so close to the finish line and then they just kind of send you out and then back. But, um, but yeah, no, they did a great job. And I think like it would be really, really cool for whoever's hosting in 2024 to try to replicate a lot of the things that they did. I I can't think of that many things they did poorly. So just give it back to Atlanta. I feel like we were saying that
3: when we were there, Steve, it's like, they should host everything. This is amazing. They did such a good job. We were at, we were at a bar and,
2: uh, along the course, I think it was, I think it was like right around mile seven, six or seven. And it was great because we could just keep going in and out. You know, if a yeah. cat's coming through, we could see it on the TV. We'll run out, cheer him on, run back, grab another beer in and out all day. It was, I mean, it was probably the most fun I've ever had, you know, as a spectator of the sport. It was, it was perfect.
1: Yeah. That sounds ideal. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely had that like party vibe. And like, I know that like a lot of my friends who like, weren't racing just came down to watch and it seemed like they all had like, a really incredible time. So, um, but yeah, even like small things like that people don't even think about, like coordinating the water stops, like, that must have been an ins like an insane job for them to try to figure out how to do water bottles for like 500 runners, but they somehow figured it out and it- and it went off without a hitch. So um and yeah, the after party vibe in Atlanta was was really fun too. Like we were at a bar after, and like I we were at the same bar that Molly Seidel was at, and like she had obviously like qualified for the team. So like I've never like that was my first time being around someone who qualified for an Olympic team, like in the moment. So like, that was really cool. Um, so yeah, there were a lot of things that were really special about that weekend that I'll, I'll never forget for sure. Yeah. Since we're talking
3: marathons we're talking a little after parties and just like the best marathons, we got to talk a little bit of Boston, since uh, when you when this episode's aired, it'll probably be just a few days before Patriots Day, and we're not going to have it this year. So you're you're a Boston Marathon finisher. Give us just like a you know
1: a couple flashbulb memories that you have of like your favorite moments running Boston. Well, I don't know if you guys did your homework or not, but I haven't really run any um, impressive Boston marathons. But uh, if you're going to call it. me up for not
3: doing my homework, then you're you're spot on. I <laughs> it
2: doesn't do his homework. I don't do know. I'll say so. You know, I do want to hear your answer to this question, but uh, I last I did Boston. I've only done it once, and I did it as like my retirement from running party. And I ran it, and I I had a couple beers on the course. Just oh, stopped, so you did the fun way, people, yeah. And it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. So so yeah. So I mean, you don't need to to ever run a fast Boston.
1: Yeah, I think that um, I learned uh, the like both times that I did Boston that spring. Marathons are really hard. Like training, if yeah. you're going to train in Boston, especially like through the cold winter, and then you're going to roll the dice and you might have a warm day. Like I'm not someone that responds super well, but all my fall marathons have gone great, like no blow ups, no issues. But every time I've run one in the spring, it's been kind of a disaster. Um,
0: so you got but it on anyway, though, yeah. this year
1: then. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Uh, I feel like I need to maybe seize the opportunity, but I think Boston's the best. Like I've done New York too. And like, that was a much better race for me. And like New York felt like more like a party, like a little more like Atlanta where like you you run through Brooklyn and people are out drinking and like brunching and on the course and just having a good time. And like, you know, the vibe is just like super strong the entire time. And it's a little different at Boston. Like it's, it feels like it's somehow, even though there's 35,000 people that run, it it feels like a hometown race. And like, as someone who like grew up in a small, smaller town and still goes back and does those hometown races. Like that's why it's special to me. Like, it just feels like if you're a Bostonian, like, you're going to, you're going to come out for Patriots day. Like I felt like in New York, like the race ended and people kind of like, went on with their day, you know, like it's New York, like on to the next thing. Um, that was kind of the general like vibe that I felt, or you also kind of felt like, you know, even though the marathon's going on, the city's still kind of like operating in the background, but with Boston, it's like, everything shuts down. Like, it's just like, all eyes are on the race today. Like even whether you're a fan of running or not, like you're going to be paying attention to what's happening. So, um, I went to Boston college, so I've watched the race now every single year since 2009. Um, which is crazy. And like every year is different. Like every year is like brings some, some different storyline. I think the highlight year was definitely like the cold year when Des won, like, you know, we were basically running like A hospital out of the track house for people that were like cold and freezing and like it it was just like it was so incredible um and that's the thing i love about boston it's just like everyone kind of feels like their family on that day um and like living in boston and training in boston like you feel it like week after week like people training on the course people that have like never run more than a 5k but like sign up to run it for like a charity are just out on like heartbreak hill like every single weekend um you know i always joke like pe- people will come up to me and, and be like oh like like you're a really great runner and, I'm, and like they just finished like like a four hour long run or something like that. And I'm like, I could never do what you do. Like, like I max out at two hours, like in long run training, but like the fact that you come out here and like spend your mornings, like getting in those miles because you're training for this goal. Like I think is like super inspirational. So there's just like that energy in the city. I had a, um, I went out to like watch one of my friends workouts um, a couple of weeks ago on Heartbreak Hill. And it was like one of the first like warmer days of the spring. And it was like kind of nice, Cause like there were some runners out there and there was a little bit of energy, but it was also kind of sad. Cause I was just thinking like, if it was a normal year, like this, it would, there'd be so many people out here, but it also got me excited. Cause like, I know that it's going to come back. Um, I know people will be out there this summer. It's going to be a different vibe, but, um, but I'm definitely excited for it. So
2: they created a fake holiday for it.
1: I love yeah. it. Patriots day, baby. Everybody yeah, takes me
2: wondering- off work to, to watch a, to watch a running event.
1: Is it is it a Monday this year?
3: Is anybody Patriots Day is
1: always Monday.
3: No, yeah. no not Patriots Day. The marathon. Are they gonna do the marathon on Monday? Oh, I yes, they are. They are. Okay. Yeah. I but feel like everyone's still gonna take the day off. Like I just picture people just like recreating Patriots Day. Yeah,
1: I'm sure right. that I'm sure the mayor or whoever will will make it a holiday for the either like a one year thing or permanent. But um, but yeah, that early sure.
2: October is like guaranteed to be a beautiful day. Like those first couple of weeks in October are always beautiful. So, maybe. I mean, there <laughs> was knock on
1: wood. I mean, it can be hot still. Like yeah. like there was only one year that I can remember where it was like really hot. Um I was still in, I was a junior in college, I remember, cuz we were living off campus and like all my friends were like I had to drive home that day so I wasn't drinking but they were all like hammered because that's like what you did in college on marathon Monday and like everyone got like so sunburnt because it was like 85 degrees that day randomly but that's the only day I can remember in the last 12 years where it's been like really hot there's been a couple days where it's like creeped up there a little bit and it's it's been a little bit warm but I have like vivid memories of October where I mean it can be in the 80s still like I, they well, shut I down a... Chicago one year, right? What's that? I think they sh- they like
2: stopped Chicago one year, like mid yeah, know because it got too hot. I mean, it's the same week. It's going to be the same week this year, but I yeah, remember it, something it... like they they literally had to stop runners because it got like 95 degrees in Chicago one year.
1: Yeah, but but fingers crossed though, it because like it could be like one of those like perfect, like early crisp fall, fall days. And if it is like people are going to feel the effects of like summer training and there'll probably be a tailwind. And like we could see, like, I think that like, if it's a nice weather day, it could be like potentially like the fastest Boston ever. So that's kind of why I was like, Maybe this is the year I should I should try to redeem myself. But uh, the last time I did it, I ran like two thirty seven. It was <laughs> the slowest marathon I've ever run. So <laughs> we'll see. It happens, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, Lou.
2: Well, thank you so much for coming on. But we end every interview with a quick game. And since you work for Tracksmith, uh, awesome apparel company, we are going to hit you with apparel ideas uh, or ideas that Tracksmith should make. Okay. So- This is going to be rapid fire questions. Trent's going to hit you with the first question. All
3: right. So I think a Tracksmith, I think, you know, high quality, classy. When is there going to be a a sport coat that comes out that has like the Tracksmith monogram on it?
1: I could see that. Um, I could see like a, like a letterman's jacket or something like that. You know, like a varsity jacket, Um, a sport coat would be interesting though would it be like a, a running sport like something that you could run in also or something that you would just you would just wear
3: i'm talking like with a shirt and tie you put that on you know classic runner look have the khaki pants on after you're getting you to do the award ceremony or the big you know dinner the night before <laughs> right on the pocket you'll have the nice tracksmith logo
1: yeah like the podium suit or something yes like that. yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah that, that's a good one we did the run commute uh run commute jacket and pants last year. Um, so that you could just like run to work and then wear that outfit like right into the office, but we saw haven't done a, a shirt and tie. So, uh, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but. <laughs> All right. So I'm thinking like some sort of recovery
2: sweatshirt or jacket to throw on after your race with a built-in beer koozie.
1: Okay. That that's getting a little closer to, to something I would wear. I think, uh, <laughs> yeah that would would be pretty sweet the the track house sweatshirt and hoodie have a little like kangaroo pouch for a phone so i feel like it'd be pretty easy to just like i don't know how would you would you put it like right front and center or like how would you how would you attach it
2: i think it could be it could be you could either have it like front and center so you can just put it right there and rest it there or some type of like bungee koozie that you could like whip out and put your beer in and hold it and then when you take your beer out it kind of like snaps back into the sweatshirt
1: yeah that'd be good if it was like se- seamless sort of right yeah. so yeah it looks normal yeah that's a good one too i'm, I'm into it <laughs> on fire steve i'm gonna spit off that
3: a little bit so this like the signature uh, tracksmith singlet has the the diagonal you know stripe on it what about i was thinking like like a beauty pageant type of sash that you could like wear over stuff but you could make a beer holder in that right and then you know you can you can wear that running you can wear
1: that to work i don't know there's a lot of uses for like how you guys like coming back to the the beer holder it's an important element (laughs) for sure uh yeah no we did a sash actually um in one of our Ekadin collections um last year so um so yeah we we already have the sash we just figure out again once again how to affix the the koozie to it so (laughs) so the the slower i get the longer my shorts get
2: but mm-hmm. I still really like split shorts. So is there any way, any way we could do like a seven inch, nine inch split short so I can still have my long shorts, but for race day?
1: Yeah, we just came out with a um, a long Twilight short, actually. Uh, I think it's a split and I should know. Uh, I'd have to double check the product pages, but we we may or may not already be on that. So Matt, Matt's a long shorts guy, one of the first, pairs of shorts we ever did was the long fellow shorts um and they they come down like just above the knee so um a long a long split short would be definitely something that i could see us doing actually in the in the future so yeah the running world needs long split shorts Yeah, uh, my mom loves tracksmith
3: and she buys me the super short ones still and it's like i don't know if i can rock those with these the Sunday twilight splits anymore. yeah they're they're like as short as you can get
1: they're short man we've come out with um we we've just like i feel like every year we add more shorts to the collection like i remember like when we first came out with the twilight split shorts and i was like these are great like finally like some split shorts and then now we have like a couple other pairs that are like a little bit longer and not quite as like split at the leg and now i like only can wear the twilight split shorts for like my fastest workouts and stuff because i'm just like maybe it's cuz I'm getting older but showing showing too much leg i also like have a a reputation for um like wearing my running clothes around the office like i get made fun of because i i usually like double most days so for me it like doesn't make sense to to shower in between like it's much easier to just sit around and work in my clothes but the shorter the shorts the less uncomfortable it gets around the office during <laughs> dirty normal times so I know this is a rapid fire segment, but I need to
3: do a quick little sidetrack here. In high school on my team, there was a kid and I went to a private school. He had to wear a shirt and tie every day, but there was like certain dress down days. On dress down day, he would wear his like shortest split shorts. Like there was a rule for the girls, you know, the skirts had to be below the fingernail. His shorts were not like up to code in that. And he would just rock them around school. It was you know, at the time, like, I made fun of him, but now looking back, like, man, it he was the most confidence. confident kid in school, yeah. for sure.
1: Nick Willis did, um, he was, like, speaking at a banquet during the pandemic and had, like, a, a jacket and tie on, but then, like, was wearing a pair, pair of Tracksmith shorts b- beneath that you couldn't see because it's the Zoom screen, you know, so. <laughs> Classy.
3: Um, all right, totally different direction here. How about, like, a a fur coat with, like, real rabbit fur?
1: oh i don't know this this day and age that might be that might be tough so uh yeah it'd, it'd be cool to do something like it'd be cool to like have some like rabbits at the track house or something like like that but uh like a, a live mascot or something but uh but yeah that'd be that'd be a tricky one i think Yeah, okay, they can't all be winners that's fine
0: <laughs>
2: all right i'll hit you with the last one what about a line of like professional sport team inspired singlets right so you have a line where you got your
1: Bruins singlet your Celtics singlet your Red Sox your Patriots singlet that's interesting it would be I wonder like the type of would is that for you specifically would you would you I mean you're you're a New England brand I feel like they would sell
2: like hotcakes
1: yeah yeah what I would really love is uh if there were ever like um like a professional like race series or something like that. If they ever was like a, a professional cross country teams or something like that. And then they all had their own mascots and, and stuff like that. And we could make uniforms for them, but, um, but yeah, I'm not sure that we could get our hands on like the uh, the merchandising fees to produce those, but I'm sure they would sell really, really well. Did you guys see that the um, the red Sox are going to be wearing like the, the BAA like yellow and blue on Patriots day this year? already already bought mine oh you did nice yeah. nice so sick. yeah man new england people love their sports so the that yeah. one would sell sell for sure yeah. that's right
2: you're not you're not originally new england you're originally from new york, york yeah i'm
1: a yankee fan so. uh, that's that's why you weren't enthusiastic yeah, that's it. why he's not going to bring it up but i love i'm a baseball fan first i love fenway like it's that park has more character than any other well the old yankee stadium i love oh no, it doesn't have more character it, it was cool though
2: uh it, it was cool but it was kind of it was a dump man
1: <laughs> so so it's fenway but it's it's yeah a, but it's it's it's, a,
2: it's got it's yeah. a dump with character
1: yeah. Yeah. And then I'm a Packers fan. So, uh, randomly, so there's no bad blood between the Patriots, but I did live with a Patriots fan for four five, six years. And it, they went a lot and Patriots fans are very arrogant. So <laughs> anyway, similar to Yankee fans. Yeah. Well, we haven't, <laughs> <won> anyone, so <laughs> I don't, I don't follow it as closely anymore either, but
2: anyways, so thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we're gonna be cheering you on, hoping you get to the to the trials and the 10K, and you know maybe seeing you in in Boston this fall.
1: That sounds great, guys. Thanks for taking the time, and uh, yeah, cheers. Have a good night. Good, man.
2: All right, thanks again to Lou Serafini for coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun chatting with him. Trying, I think we came up with some pretty cool uh, apparel ideas there.
3: Yeah, everybody just keep checking the Tracksmith website. You're definitely going to see some, some, what do we got, with some sport coats on there, there's some beer. Uh, there's a lot of things really to do with holding your beer while you're running and that sort of thing. So just just stay tuned on it. You're going to see some, some peak to early ideas up there.
2: Do you think that if Tracksmith comes out with any of those ideas we should ask for a cut.
3: Oh yeah, and if we don't get one we're suing. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, I mean, we have a record of this so, you know, Dracksmith, I mean, if you if you want to avoid all, you know, uh, you know, litigious action then uh, you know, make sure to cut us in on any of those ideas. So, what we're going to do is you know, we're we're just kind of in the in the spring spirit right now. You know, we're just kind of feeling, you know, the, you know, all the, everything that, everything good that comes along with this time of year. And one of the things that comes along with the time of year is baseball season. Baseball season is fully underway. The Red Sox are kicking ass. This is awesome. Um, And so what we're going to do is we're going to do our personal podium. It's been a little while since we've done one of these. We're going to do personal podium of similarities between baseball and running or track and field or crossover you know what what uh, what things in baseball remind us of the sport of running all right so what are we going to do here uh, i think it's been a little while since i've gone first
0: yeah you go first
2: i'll go first mike wasn't on the interview so then we'll go Trent second then we'll go mike third what do you think okay. yeah that's what i want to perfect be. that's all perfect right. i feel good about that spot all right so like my my first okay so i'm going to lead off with this one I think something that the sport of baseball and the sport of track and field have in common is the disdain for officials, umpires and officials. One. That's a very because good one. you think about it like in some of the other sports like football, basketball, like some of the officials you start to like recognize them and you start to appreciate them and they they kind of almost have their personalities of their own. They kind of become part of the sport. Nobody likes any of the baseball umpires they hate all of them and i think the same goes for track and
0: field so i'm going for disdain for officials between the two sports i actually think baseball umpires and track and field officials are just the same people They're just old <laughs> crusty dudes different color uniforms yeah different yeah same dude different color uniform
3: okay i'm gonna get i got some like very specific analogies for mine here So my first one, my my first round pick here is going to be being a starting pitcher that pitched the day before is like running in the 10K, you know, the night before the meet, where you get that feeling, you're totally done. And then you get to like be part of the team, like you participated, right? You ran your race, you pitched the day before, maybe you pitched well. And then this is the best feeling in the world. Just totally be done. Sit back and just watch everybody, watch the game go on. So, like, the starting pitcher and the 10K runner have, have a lot in common.
2: I like that one a lot. That is, is very, that is a great comparison. I love that one.
3: It's the best feeling whenever – and then in the really big meets, if you can be, like, 5K runners sometimes, you have to go the night before too, and that was, like, I would get in there a couple of times. It's the best.
2: Get to eat whatever you want. Get to chill maybe, you know – I'm sure I'm sure they, you know, every once in a while they're sneaking in a couple beers in the dugout beforehand. Yeah, I love that comparison. That's a great comparison.
0: Man. So I have what I feel to be some very creative ones, but you guys left like the really obvious ones on the table here. So I'm kind of in a pickle where it's like, do I want to use my creative ones? Or do I want to steal like the very obvious, easy ones? Um so Man. All right. So for my first overall pick, I will take the easy, obvious one. Running the bases. I mean, that is like the clear, the only true, real comparison you can make between the two is you run in both. You have to run the bases in baseball. You got to run in track. It, it's, it's, it's silly because it's, it's so obvious and easy. But I'm gonna take it because it should be a first round pick.
3: Same direction too. I
0: mean, yeah, same, same
3: direction. It's good point. can right? more similar than that. That's a good point. Run
0: faster and left. Um, and then my number two, I have another one that I think is like super obvious and easy, but I'm gonna skip that one. I'm gonna go a little bit more creative. I'm gonna go with the crow hop. Outfield, you're throwing the ball into the infield. You're trying to gun down the guy at home plate. You're crow hopping to try and gun them down. The javelin, you're kind of doing a little bit of a crow hop there, getting that thing out there. So I'm going with the crow hop.
3: Triple jump's kind of like that too. There's some weird jumping going on, yeah. the hop, skip, and jump thing. Okay, I'll take an obvious one then. Um, and some people might disagree, but I know I'll get you guys at least on half of this argument here. The baseball season is like uh, watching the 200-meter heats at a track meet. Like, We just need to cut it down. The baseball season should be about a hundred and I don't know, twenty-four games or something. Like it's too early in the year, it goes too late. Just like the two hundred, like get rid of the whole event if you need to, or or cut that down. It should be like four heats max. We're just we're stretching this out a little too long. I like it. Right.
0: It's a little right. bit of a stretch. It's a little bit of a stretch. I don't know if it would be a second round pick, but uh yeah, it it's fine. <laughs> All right, it's I fine. got so I got back-to-back picks here. I'm pretty proud of both of
2: these. Um, maybe not the maybe not so much the first one. I'll save it. <laughs> so the first one is baseball and track and field probably are the two sports that have the most ridiculous uniforms. I mean, it, you think about baseball, baseball especially. Like, baseball is their uniforms that were made to be worn in, like, 1890 and we're still pretty much wearing the same friggin' uniforms in 2021 you know what i mean so uh completely ridiculous you know and and track and field is definitely more functional but you're running around in singlets and split shorts it looks ridiculous right so uh ridiculousness of the uniforms i think is a similarity there i like it
3: i want to add to that and i like how You both have uh, situations where people are in uniforms that should not be in those uniforms. Like in baseball, it's like ridiculous. The manager wears it. In track and field, it's ridiculous. Like the shot putter has the same uniform on (laughs) as the ten k runner. Like the shot putter is like the manager. Like don't make them wear the uniform.
2: All right. So I'm just saying a bunch of shit that's getting me in trouble tonight. But so I'm gonna say another one. Um, And I want to stress that this is has nothing to do with practice or. Leading up to the game, because I do believe that this person is very important to the team leading up to the actual event. But I think that one thing that track and field and baseball have in common is while the actual competition is going on, <laughs> the coach is 100% yeah. useless, right? The coach is 100% useless. When baseball is actually going on, like, what are they? There's like, they can, yes, they can sub people in and out. They can throw down the bunt sign, but actually, like, they're not, it's not like football. It's not like basketball where they're calling plays. They're kind of both useless.
0: You're going you're gonna to make some, uh, some people mad. I know I'm making them. people angry. They, that's, the that's what I'm doing mad. tonight. The, the, the track coach is screaming mid race i love it you're probably right yeah. probably yeah, does the,
2: the cross-country coach the track coach got to get out there and scream their head off and the the you know the the baseball manager's got to get out there and and yell at an umpire every once in a while but when you really think about it it's kind of both useless out there i like it
0: i like it. i think it's a good pick especially in the third round i like
3: it mm-hmm. all right my last pick here i will go with You know, you you say baseball signifies spring is here. And same thing with like doing that first work on the outdoor track. But in reality, the beginning of baseball season, when the guys are just freezing and look miserable is like that first track meet that for us was always that Holy cross. And it was just 20 mile per hour winds. And it was way too cold to be out running track. And you just want to get back on indoor track. Like those first few weeks of the season when it's just brutal cold, at least for us, New Englanders or, or people up in northwest and stuff like it just sucks it's so bad just just start it off when it's warmer it's a warm weather sport meant to be in, meant to be in warm weather
2: i agree cool. it is absolutely ridiculous when you have that first week of baseball and they're out there and like tights under their uniforms and
0: wearing winter caps it's it is very dumb it, to, and to transform it is ridiculous in track too it's like We couldn't have just done like one more indoor meet. We couldn't have just, you know, (laughs) we we have to be out here in the freezing rain right now. Um, You go
3: from indoor with like the perfect temperatures up and everything is perfect, and there's no wind, and they throw you out here, and it's 35 degrees and like sleeting on you.
0: Oh man, I got so many I want to take here. All right, I'm gonna go with. I don't know exactly how to phrase this, but like dirt being kicked up. Now, let me let me explain myself here. The jumpers go in, they're running in, and they have that very distinct dive into the, the pit and all the sand goes up in the air. Same thing in baseball, you're sliding into home plate, very distinct, the dirt's being kicked up into the air. It. I love it. That's what I'm going with. I love it. The dirt being kicked up into the air. Those are two very distinct pieces of sport where it's like you see it and you know exactly what's going on. I think Mike lost this podium.
3: No, is the dirt really kicked up in the air in in baseball? Like, are you serious? I mean, are you kidding me? You get dirt on your uniform for sure, but. I don't think I'm it looks to, anything I'm, like a, a track I'm jumper. I Mike,
0: Mike came I'm up starting to think I'm, start, I'm plane starting I'm starting to game. think that you I'm starting to think that you've never watched a baseball game.
3: I've I've watched a baseball game or two in my day and there's a little bit of dirt that kind of spreads out and, and maybe gets kicked up on like uh-huh. the bottom of your, your pants, but I don't know, Michael.
0: I wish I was harder on your garbage picks cuz to be honest, Trent, <laughs> your your all your picks stunk. Oh, get out of here. What was, your second pick? What,
3: what was your second pick? My second pick was Oh, it's two like the two hundred meter heats. Just too long. We need to just shorten yeah, this a down bad. a little bit. That was a
0: garbage. That was a garbage. I should've I should have been harder on that one when I had the chance. Okay. I like the pick. Ones. I'm
3: sticking with it. <laughs> we're we're at the point where we all get to do our extra ones, right? Yeah, I mean, it's sure it. Uh Steve, you kinda like brought it up a little bit, but I do want to go back to it. They, they're eating during the event. Like sometimes you are sneaking stuff. There. I mean, that's a huge part of it. We're in track. If you're maybe running an event early on and you had a relay at the end, you're definitely having like a sub in between, just like the, like, you know, the bullpen pitchers are having like a full meal out there in the outfield. I love that one. I was
0: to, to that point. I was going to say just hot dogs, straight up hot dogs. Yeah. Obviously hot dogs are synonymous with baseball, but then also you got the throwers got their barbecue going. They're eating hot dogs like mid track meat. So I think hot dogs are synonymous with both.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I was inspired by our conversation or the video's descent of uh, the woman just getting jacked up by the the jumper there. But there are two sports where people that are warming up, it's not always true for baseball, but it can be. People that are warming up are just in the line of fire. Like in baseball, when the bullpens are within, you know, That's your
0: best pick. That's your best pick by
3: far. Oh, man, I screwed up the That's by far your best pick. But, all right, let's restart here and I'll use that first. But, yeah, when they're in, like, in play to get nailed by a foul ball or something. That's the yeah, people are <laughs> that's just ridiculous. warming up
0: on the field. But like just in the yeah in, in the in the middle of a game, in the middle of a track me people are just warming up. That's a great pick.
3: I like, like thanks man. Should have used it.
0: That was a good one. I, I like that one. Some some of my extra ones here I had um you know you got the closer and you got the anchor on a relay. You got way uh, better than kicking up dust, Mike. You should have stuck with yeah, that. Yeah, but it, it, to me, it just seemed more boring. I wanted something that was a kicking little bit at, of a stretch. A little up little dust, bit more. Was by far the more boring. No, I Mike. like it. And then I got. Um, let's see, where was my last one? Uh, I guess I lost my last one here. But yeah, that was that was that was my extra one. I had three. I'm glad none of them got Yeah. <laughs>
2: All right. Let's kick off the bell app. Mike, what do you got for people
0: on the bell app? I always have the advantage of going first here because I feel like I'm about to to steal probably both of yours. Um, Julian Edelman retiring. I guess I'm not surprised by it. It just, yeah, that one stung. It it stung a little bit. I, I don't really know the Patriots for a very long time without jules gronk and brady and i feel like he was kind of like the last the last piece of the puzzle the last piece of you know the old patriots and now that he's gone yeah, his his video was in classic jules fashion uh but he dropped a a foxborough forever at the end so you know I, i thank jules for his service we're gonna miss him and i guess it's uh we gotta roll with the changes here, folks. I guess that's that's what it comes down to.
2: Roll with the changes. Mike, I was thinking this. Jules is like the mentality and like the type of athlete he was. He's the type of guy that you want on your cross-country team. For sure. 100%. He's he's the wild card guy that you want on your cross-country team. He's all about the team. He's all about doing whatever it takes to win. He's a nut job, right? So he's, you know, he can he's he's going to do crazy shit out there. Um he is like he is like the the perfect cross country guy
0: that you'd want on your team. And and he's not your number 1 guy. He's your fourth Exactly. Or fifth, no, no. Your he's the fifth guy. But no, I mean, on any given I day like a, I think he's like I think race.
2: he's like 6th, 7th and like on that big day he might be 4 or 5. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like he's he's like he's the he's the grinder that steps up when it means the most for sure. So
1: yeah,
3: gonna, gonna miss Jules. Trent, what do you got for people on the bell app? Yeah. Shout out to big Jules. Uh, I did want to share with you guys some texts I got after our podcast dropped last week about my eyes closed running and, uh, my mom texted me <laughs> right. first off for those of you that didn't listen to the last episode, I did go for a run and try to close my eyes as long as I could. And I, and I got pretty far, uh, My mom is blowing at my phone, though. Why would you close your eyes when you run? Just like 17 question marks. Please do not run with your eyes closed again. (laughs) Really not smart. A couple hours later, no more closed eye running. Then I got to give a shout out to my little brother here. Clint sends me the text message. This was a little long, but bear with me. Your mother just told me about your exploits running with your eyes closed. She prefaced it by saying, do you know what your crazy brother did? I was expecting to hear something like you got lost in the woods or fought an animal, but no.
2: (laughs) All plausible things, but no Trent, by the way. (laughs) Right.
3: She proceeded to animately tell me how you ran 35 steps. It was 38. 35 steps with your eyes closed. Needless to say, her extreme concern for your safety and well-being was lost on me (laughs) as I was thoroughly impressed that you took more than 10 steps with your eyes closed. Good on you, brother. Keep up the good work. So shout out to Clint for understanding, you know, how impressive that accomplishment was.
0: I, I, love, I love every piece of those text messages. I love the difference between your mom and Clint. But, I mean, this is Mrs. Fontanella who witnessed us do a Chunder Mile and was seemingly okay with it. Apparently, this is where she draws the line. I mean, the, the, the
3: eyes, the eyes closed running deal. I don't know. I know that's that's her thing. She's she's okay with chugging beers and and running until you vomit, but she is not okay <laughs> with, with closing your eyes and running a couple steps up the road.
2: We got a couple of texts about that too. Patrick texted us. Who was it? Was it Nate McCarthy? That yeah. did it?
0: Is he? Uh, he no, no. Uh, Pat Carpenter, Kip. Pat Carpenter, and somebody directed him for an entire five k. So he had a, he had a seeing eye dog. So he. <laughs> You know, mentally, you feel a little bit better about your ability to, to run a 5K knowing that you have somebody there. So, I do acknowledge that it's way more dangerous when you're by yourself. But, yeah, I, I shame on me for forgetting that this happened. Patrick brought to my attention. But, yes, he, he did run a whole 5K with his eye close with, with the seeing eye partner to, to help him along. To That's
2: be fair, Trench, there are blind people that run marathons.
3: Yeah, no, Good I don't point. feel so impressive anymore.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> to do it by yourself, to do it with no guide, no seeing eye dog is, is very scary. Um, we, like I, like I mentioned earlier, we've mentioned in previous episodes, we have the P2E Mild Showdown coming up. It's going to be big. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to do a lot of hilarious content. Another note, Peak 2 early has got singlets coming. They're gonna be awesome. I'm throwing out this teaser. These guys don't even know I'm throwing out this teaser. I'm throwing it for everybody that made it through this episode to the end. Singlets are coming. And I'm just gonna say I even haven't even looked into this, but I think we're gonna get an official USATF peak too early team. Like, you know, so you can go sign up for the team. And if you if you buy one of these first wave of singlets, you're automatically get a get a membership to the team i'm just gonna say that right now so keep an eye out for that keep those reviews coming on itunes it's super helpful go give us a five-star review steal somebody's iphone give us a five-star review if you've already done it or if you don't have an iphone tell a friend that you think might like this podcast and that boys i would have run faster but i peaked too early mike hit me with the josie
1: josie's on
3: your math is wrong, though. because if, if the first leg is 8 a.m., the last leg is going to be like
0: 4 a.m. No. No, because no, the 8, start
2: 12, the same 4, 8,
3: 8, 12, 4, 8. 8,
2: 8. No, if we start at 8 a.m., then we'll, and our last leg will be at 8 a.m. on
3: the last day. No. No, it'll no. be at 4 It'll be, it'll be, no, it will be <laughs> noon. It will be noon. Okay, if you start at 8 a.m. on Friday, 8 a.m., no, you're Twelve right. It'll o'clock. it be four. Be four. four be o'clock. Four. Eight, 8 p.m. Four. Midnight. Four a.m. Eight a.m. Twelve. Four.